What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining Afro Latinos Live. Uh, this is, of course, your co-host Alvin and Chandler. And on this very special episode, uh, we have brought my friend, as he's like to say at the beginning, the OG. Uh, yes. We have brought Nissan Trotter onto the show, co-owner, co-founder of Trot Fitness here in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, what up, Nissan? What's up, Alvin? Yes, I am the OG in comparison, man. There used to be a time I used to be the young buck, but I'm not going to share my age because I still get away with a little bit of a charming <laughs> smile, so... Yeah, man, I'm the OG in comparison. Well, we are. We welcome you to the show. We are so thankful that you decided to join us on today. Um, so this is a series that we've begun all of February for Black History Month, which basically explores and looks at um, blackness in different in various um, aspects of life. So our first episode, we had our boy uh, Sorrell, Dr. Sorrell Pickering was on the show. Um, and a friend of mine, Dr. Kristen Austin, to talk about race in the field of education. Last week, um, my uncle Dwayne Graves was on the show to talk about kind of his experiences with race in regards to the military. And so, Nissan, uh, we brought you on the show today to talk about entrepreneurship. And you are a business owner. You are a co-founder of a business. And so we kind of want to know, first of all, who you are, where you come from. So give us a little bit about your story um, and then how it came to be that Trot Fitness was your thing. And we're just going to see where conversation takes us. Um, as the show goes on, viewers, if you want to comment and ask questions or just give us a shout out, uh, go ahead and uh, put a comment in the either Facebook or YouTube and we'll pull it up on the screen so that everyone can see it. Um, and unfortunately, Cheney does have to go for a school event here shortly. So if you see Cheney disappear from the screen, you know why. He's got some schoolwork to do. School comes first, of course, but we're trying to make it do what it do. So, all right, Nee, let us know who you are. Let the viewers know who you are, where you come from. Absolutely. Well, I'm Nissan Trotter again. That is just like the car minus one S, which <laughs> is the story of my life. Born and raised in a small little place called Silver Hill, Alabama, in the deep, deep south, not far away from the Gulf of Mexico. Gulf Shores is about 20, 30 minutes away from my home. And it's also sandwiched in between Silver Hill, Alabama, that is. It's sandwiched in between Pensacola, Florida and Mobile, Alabama. And how I made my way up north, man, God works in mysterious ways, amazing ways, uh, because I would have never thought I'd be, I guess, officially considered a northerner when I look out the window yep, and see all the snow. Here now. <laughs> like, this is crazy. It's crazy. Uh, but I was recruited to play football for Bucknell University. Thankfully, God blessed me with some wits, some athletic ability as well. And I had a pretty good high school uh, career, football career that is, and Bucknell came knocking at the door, and I accepted a scholarship to play football on Bucknell's campus. Originally, man, I had hoop dreams. I wanted to, you know, really shoot hoops, but I was lightly recruited to play basketball, so football, especially when the recruiter from Bucknell actually showed my mom and I all the zeros on paper. Yeah, <laughs> all the money that we're going to be receiving for the scholarship zeros will make your, make your decision quick, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It will definitely make you change your mind. I'm like, okay, I'm a, I'm a football player. <laughs> I'm a football now. Uh, so, yeah, and, and just from playing football at Bucknell University. I actually relocated back home and started working in financial investments for a financial firm. And I got fired 
from that organization. One of the best things that ever happened in my life, because that was really my get rich quick scheme. My heart wasn't really in it. I was unfit for that uh, pursuit. And thankfully, I got fired. I'm really abbreviating this story. But once I got fired, I relocated back up north to work for Bucknell University, my alma mater, as a fundraiser. And I was just low-key daydreaming, typing at my desk, and I felt this impression upon my heart, why are you still here? It scared the socks off of my feet, like it's not out of my nose. And uh, it, it was because I had another passion, and that was also fitness and helping people with their health. And so on February, February 29, 2012, leap day of leap year, I took a leap of faith, man, and uh, I, I turned in my resignation at Bucknell University, which was a comfortable job with benefits to really grow my wings on the way down. My wife supported me, and now I'm a decade-long fitness entrepreneur, which is crazy to even think and imagine. Yeah, man, that's that's so much. It's It's always so funny, the little things that you hear about people that you just never heard of. So like, even we've had a couple episodes with family members and stuff. And yeah, I learned things about family members that I'd never heard before. And Nissan, I've known you for the longest time and there's still so much <laughs> that I don't know about you. Um, right. And so what was, um, what was it like, first of all, um, to transition from small town Alabama to small town Pennsylvania, still thankfully small town. So, but I'm sure those were big different the vibes. And and you know you said you're from Alabama, so we know we hear that accent come in in yeah, and yeah. out with some things. Oh, it was thicker. So, so, what was it like exactly? What was it like coming from Alabama to Pennsylvania? And talk about that transition for us. Well, I know your dad is a movie buff, Alvin, so he would appreciate. <laughs> Yeah, he would appreciate this. I don't know if you ever uh, heard of the movie Cool Runnings. Mm-hmm. It's about the Jamaican bobsled mm-hmm. team. And there's this one scene where they were going to the Olympics and they were stepping off of the plane and they were like bundled up in like all these coats and like huddled together, looking like they were fighting for their life because they just wasn't used to the cold weather. Mm-hmm. And I had that sort of feeling going from the South to the North. I mean, my uncles would tell me stories and granted they never really been up here either so it was just this myth that if you breathe in this northern air Nissan, like you can die and so i'm thinking as i get off this plane if i'm not properly suited that's my life uh, so <laughs> it was just not used to the cold weather but even more deeply the challenge for me was you know really i i was born and raised in a black community and lewisburg i think the the consensus, especially when it regards black people in this area is roughly, I think, 6% black. Uh, so it is a very hyper white space and that it comes as no surprise. It's actually whiter than all of America because all of America is about 13% black. Uh, so when I went, but I, I went to a predominantly white school, mm-hmm. uh, but it was definitely more black people in the school. But the thing in high school was once I finished school, I would have as like a safe haven in terms of culture, be able to go back home to my family, mm-hmm. uh, be able to go back to people who looked like me, dressed like me, spoke like me, ate like me, enjoyed the same movies, perhaps whatever. Right. But up here, when I'm at Bucknell, the homesickness uh, started to hit kind of hard. 
uh, because I just didn't have that community like I had at home. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was at school and that was it. So that was one of the biggest challenges. Did you ever feel, well, I'm sure there were lots of times when you felt like you didn't belong, right, on campus or in Lewisburg. Were there any um, explicit, that you're willing to share, any explicit times when you knew that you didn't belong or any experiences that stuck stick out to you mm-hmm. um, of prejudice, discrimination, racism, even just as a student coming mm-hmm. from Alabama to, to Lewisburg, if you're willing to share? Sure. I would say it's inaccurate for me to say there were moments where I felt I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. My mom really instilled tremendous value in who it is that I am as a person, uh, my character, my being, uh, just uh, really feeling that no matter the color of my skin, that I am equal to anyone else. So I never really felt like I didn't belong. In fact, when I attended Bucknell University on my football recruiting trip, it was quite the contrary. I felt like I belonged. I felt like I could obtain a degree that was prestigious. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I felt as if you know I could even change the narrative to a certain degree from people who thought that perhaps Black people weren't able to, to study at a place like Bucknell and get great grades. Uh, so I would say I never really felt that I didn't belong, but there were place times where I felt, you know, awkward in nature. And here's the reason why, because I'd be the only black in class. And I know that when I was answering, it felt like I just, I wasn't just answering for myself. Right. I was answering for our entire race. Right. And everyone knows, you know, we're, we're, we're a people with, multiple voices, different thoughts, different ideas, as is any race. Uh, but when you're the, the only dot in the room, sure. that's when, of course, you feel that pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And we've we've talked a little bit about that on some previous episodes and just kind of that that sense of, you know, at that point in time, you feel like you speak for everyone. And it's impossible to speak for everyone because no matter how much we look like, we're very different people. Uh, and so what what for you was the see so um hold on processing sure. um, when when you decided to leave your job at Bucknell mm-hmm. um and you had this calling you felt like fitness was was pulling you um what was that like making that jump can you talk to us about your feelings in that moment and you know, how easy or difficult was it for you to get things off? Because I was there with you from the beginning. I, I mean, yeah. I was in the trees, up Nagel Park in Lewisburg, waking mm-hmm. up at 5 a.m. when I was in middle school and hitting up. Mm-hmm. You know, what was that whole new experience? Is it something that wasn't, you know, cro- um, not, uh, what's the one? CrossFit wasn't really big mm-hmm. at that time. You know, there wasn't all that, right. that movement for the big fitness and getting people involved. And so what was that experience like for you? That experience when I reminisce back was one to which it was a calculated move because I'm not going to be the one to say I just blindly went into this not thinking or not knowing it would work. Mm -hmm. I actually knew that it would work. I had faith that it could work. I had the support of my wife. You know, I believe that God had us in the palm with his hand, but just simply from a logistical, <laughs> very much realistic manner, 
when you are working part-time as a fitness entrepreneur and it's equivalent to your full-time check at Bucknell, it doesn't take, I don't think, anyone uh, to be super smart or genius to believe if I put more time and more energy in something that's part-time and it's paying me equivalent to my full-time check at Bucknell, mm-hmm. that this will probably work. Mm-hmm. So it was a calculated move. And we we built up to that level uh, because our very because it wasn't peaches and cream from the very beginning. In fact, during our grand opening, I don't know if folks remember the flood of, uh, I think, 2011 uh, when, I mean, downtown Lewisburg was under siege. It was underwater. And that weekend, it was supposed to be our grand opening. And we had so many people saying, yeah, I'm going to come. I'm going to be there. And uh, we ended up having to move our grand opening into uh, Lewisburg High School. And it was like five people there. And three of them was my best friends. And this was our grand opening. So, So it was very, very humble beginnings. But I was still working uh, full time at Bucknell, and as we began to really see things coming to fruition, it felt excited. I was I was just looking forward to it with great anticipation because I knew that if we really put more time and more energy into this, it could take off. Yeah. So, will you will you tell us a little bit about um, the humble beginnings of Trot Fitness from when yeah. you started to where you are now to how your company is growing? I think a yeah. lot of who don't know you would like mm-hmm. to hear that kind of what was that process like oh no question humble beginnings from the standpoint of we had no brick and mortar structure humble beginnings from the standpoint of i thought that i should start off as a personal trainer at a box gym and take the typical route but no gym owner called me back even though i had the shiny resume and i mm-hmm. had all the credentials folks were slipping on wet grass in the public park. Uh, they had to bring their own dumbbells, their own I exercise mats. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, it would be it would be early morning, pitch dark. Cold. And My dad just said, "Dad, you just said cold." <laughs> yeah, cold. And I would see, and and mind you, we're in a public park, and. I could barely see some of the clients in front of my face, let alone train them right. Mm-hmm. And, and there were times I was doing moves on hard concrete with these clients, knowing that it was probably tearing up their knees sometimes uh, because, you know, the, the grass was like icicles. It was that type of humble beginnings, bro, to now, you know, we have a staff of six, including myself, this totally cool tricked out studio with lots of transformations on our walls. Um, I, I just see the plush blue floor surround sound uh, that our studio has and, and having transformed literally uh, multiple hundreds of lives and having dealt with uh, a, a number of thousands of clients over the span of 10 years. Uh, so, you know, God is great. Amen. So from in the park to there was a time I remember us being in the Donald Heater Center in Lewisburg to, you know, um, what what was it like to exist as a black man in central Pennsylvania, as you said, a hyper white space um, and then to to transition from, okay, now I'm in a private college. We're working at Bucknell to black business owner in a hyper white space did you ever feel like 
um, your race impeded your ability at all or or slowed your ability to succeed. I, I know things happened rather quickly for you because God was in it. And when God is in it, you know, who can who can really stop you? But did you ever feel like that was going to be a challenge for you? Did you ever experience any times when you thought doors were being closed in your face just because of what you look like and who you were? You know, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a fair question. Aubin, it was there perhaps, but it wasn't on the forefront of my mind. It was like on the back burner mm -hmm. because I was so enthralled with making sure that the service was something that was attractive enough that people wanted to pay for it, mm -hmm. that it was exactly what it said it would, would be and help people with their results. And I always felt that that would super exceed uh, or supersede mm -hmm. the the color of my skin. If if you have been trying to be healthy, trying to be stronger, if you've been trying to lose five pounds around the waistline, if you've been trying to get off the medications, and you've been a part of something that hasn't been helping you with that, but now I present this shiny object to you that isn't fool's gold and it helps you accomplish that, then who cares the way my hair looks? Who cares the color of my skin? Who cares how I sound? If mm -hmm. I'm adding value, and that's what I was so caught up in doing, is I wanted to make sure that, that because because keep in mind, Auburn, we're in survival mode right now. Like, I'm not going back to Buck now. I'm, yeah. I, I'm believing that this will work and that this is it. This is the thing. And when you have that level of energy, I, I believe for me, it was more about even if those things are out there, I believe that the service that we provide and how we do it, our ethos, our culture, and what we've created is going to far surpass that. So where people are looking past it, the color of my skin. Now, I'm not naive to the fact, and I'm sure that some people just did not do business with me because of my skin color. I, I feel that I'd be naive if I didn't think that, but I just didn't let that control the narrative. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's so it's so interesting because I think that so many times the focus becomes, you know, and I'm and I'm glad that you said that that it wasn't that you were naive or that it wasn't maybe at the forefront of your mind, and that you it was it probably was there. I think sometimes we, I think it would have been so easy for you to have said oh this door is closed in my face because mm -hmm. you know and start to make excuses for the reasons that doors were closed when really you know it might not have been about that at all it could have just been other things i think that a lot of times we focus and i know that the focus of this conversation is primarily about you know race and how that kind of affects our our world view but <clears throat> it's not always the only thing you know what i mean so it you know i'm, I'm glad that you said that that even though it, it might have been an important thing and it might have been even the over the over um overarching concern mm -hmm. or problem for some that you didn't let that thought derail you from proceeding towards your goal yeah and not only did i let not let that thought derail me i felt that in some regard i allowed it to empower me because there there are things from a social economic perspective there are things culturally that make me who it is that I am. 
and I can bring something to the market that is different and attractive based according to my set of experiences. And so now, therefore, what I have to present is a carbon copy. Mm -hmm. It it is something fresh, brand new. It's something done with a a swag about it and an intentionality about it that's going to make you want to do business with me. And that's why I I enjoy this game. Yeah, that's dope. Um, There was a question that just popped into my head. And Mm -hmm. give me a second. It'll come back. Um, (laughs) You're a great question asking. I see why you do what you do. (laughs) Cheney, do you have have anything real quick while I'm trying to remember what I was going to say? No. <laughs> I so much. Sorry to bore you, bro. <laughs> nah, he just never has anything to say. He's he you know what my dad always told me, only boring people get bored. So maybe that, you know what I'm saying? Maybe if Cheney's bored, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think I remember it. So sure. can you talk to me a little bit about uh from a clientele perspective? Mm-hmm. Um do you feel like um Seeing you and knowing your accomplishments and knowing who you are ever, uh, or maybe even um, from a racial perspective, do you feel like that garners a, a different type of clientele? Do you ever get people or get that feeling that someone is there, not necessarily just because they're interested in their fitness, but because they see you and want to work with you because of, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I do. I believe that we all share a certain type of energy and uh, our energy signature, according to the way Les Brown would uh, call it, attracts certain individuals and certain people. And so sometimes I don't even necessarily think is uh, the way my hair looks, the way my skin color is, I think is more so the type of energy that I carry. And that is attractive to some people. They've never seen it before. I've been known to be very genuine and sincere uh, I like to also be honest and uh, have integrity about me. And I, I do wholeheartedly feel uh, that people who see the value in that have those same traits and belief systems, uh, that they come into the fold because of that. But I also feel, Aubin, that for people who don't even necessarily know uh, why they're drawn to me or why they're drawn to Trap Fitness, I I do believe that God has his hand over our business and he's compelling them to come. Um, So there is a level of me also believing that this is way, way bigger than me. You know, I I am just a part of of this plan, this Mm -hmm. ultimate plan that that God has. And and I like to believe that this is this whole ordeal is purpose driven for me. Uh, That is not even about the amount of money that we're able to amass because of this. Sure, we need money, obviously, to run our business. uh, But I also believe that it's because of the people we're able to touch and the impact that we're able to 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 provide. Yeah. Um, Can you can you talk to us a little bit about how your business model has changed and been affected during the pandemic? Because Mm. I know a lot of things. Of course, we've been stuck in COVID and everything mm-hmm. in the world has changed. And so once this started last March, did you ever feel like this is it? Did you ever, were you ever concerned that, you know, things were just going to fall apart, that your business was going to fall apart, you weren't going to have mm-hmm. clients show up? And then I know, I know things have changed for you and how they've yeah. 
Can you share some of those developments with us also? Yeah, sure, man. Before I do that, would you like for me to let up my blind so that Listen, man, you, okay. are, you are glowing, man. You you got that's that's <laughs> right, the light. You're good, man. You're good. Okay, all right, all right. I don't want to mess up anything that y'all have going on. I'm, I'm just a servant here right now. Um, but but yeah, man, COVID definitely impacted our business, our industry. Fitness in particular has been slammed mm-hmm. by COVID. One of the last of industries to be allowed to do business during the different phases that the government, especially uh, here in Pennsylvania and the CDC department here in Pennsylvania have allowed to do business. And then having to operate even at 50% capacity and and all of the things that uh, we've done because of the restrictions of making sure that uh, we have spaces in our studio and that everybody is properly socially distanced, having to uh, have clients wear a mask while working out. And Aubin, you know how we train. Uh, listen, you know how I, we get down. I can't <laughs> even, I cannot even, and I know I shouldn't say can't, if you want right. to, but I'm going to say it anyway, because this is my show and I'm not doing no push-up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't even imagine, you know, all those times that I was in the studio, whether it was in Huffnagel, wherever it was in the studio, do, like my favorite day in the world, Boxing Day, of course, right. like that has got to be a, a whole other challenge being in the studio yeah. all the people and being hot and sweaty with the masks on top of it is yeah. just a whole other, that is a whole other element. No question. Having to wear a mask and Aubin still with the way we follow protocol and done pretty much everything to a T I'm talking about wiping down equipment. Uh, we were already doing that, but wiping down equipment before every session, uh, this whole air purification system thing that we we purchased as well. Even still, folks skeptical of returning to the gym space. Sure. And so that affected our business. Now, we had two trot fitness mm-hmm. standalone location, one in Lewisburg, one in Sillings Grove. So we consolidated. We closed our Sillings Grove uh, location. And quite frankly, to be blunt, lost uh, right at uh, 200 maybe now 200 plus clients. Wow. Um, so a significant impact to our bottom line in terms of revenue, but how we've been able to still survive. And I believe we're going to get to a place of thriving again. I just believe that we're going to come out of this stronger. Mm-hmm. One of the ways we've been able to do it is because we are now a hybrid company. We now have stacked value for clients. We offer in-house and online services. So, Clients are here in the studio, but if you don't want to be here, we stream our workouts now live. And we've also expanded our borders because now we also have on-demand workouts. Our team has just been so uh, like like fighter jets is what we call them. They have been pressing in to make sure that we've been pumping out the content so that clients, even if our schedule doesn't work for them, and they can be in Timbuktu, they can be 200 miles away with internet access and as long as they have that. Uh, even if their schedule doesn't work with our live session times, we have on-demand workouts that they have access to. And so we've just been rolling uh, with it. We've applied for funding where we could get it. Uh, and uh, we're still here, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about that change and that transition for you specifically, you know, that transition to the online working out? What yeah. was that? process like for you was it an easy transition for you or was that something that you struggled with like as a teacher uh, over the last year i've had to do way more teaching online than what i like to do in fact Mm -hmm. i 
I hate it. If I can use yeah. that word, I, I despise teaching online and I wish I never had to do it again. Um, and the transition from in-person teaching and what I can do every day had to mm -hmm. change. And we're forced to change and forced to adapt every day, of yep. course. Um, but what was that transition like for you? Well, the transition was more than just the technicality of knowing and figuring out how to talk to a screen and do workouts when you're not able to see clients and you're just recording. Uh, that that was far easier than when people say pivot. I know at least for for us, even as a small business. Uh, meaning uh, your your staff of employees are 50 or less, I believe. Even as a small business, it still is hard to pivot because some people say that when you're a big shop like uh, a Walmart or a blue chip company, when you're trying to institute change and it's a big company, it's harder than, you know, I'm kind of controlling the, the dials here. But yet and still, it was one of the hardest things that we ever had to do. And I was... A mess. I was in tears. I, I felt that everything that we had built over the course of 10 years was crumbling uh, because we were trying to make these adjustments and some people just were not ready for change. Sure. It, you know, and, and, and so that was more so harder than the technicality of, of having a flat screen TV in your studio now where people can simultaneously cast your workouts from their own home. Mm. Wow. And I'm sure that that has not always been an easy process in the adjustment mm -hmm. process. Was there ever a moment for you where you, and, and I hate to put it this way, but in, in the moment with everything going on, was there ever a minute, a second that you said it isn't worth it anymore? Or <laughs> was this, you know, I know it's your passion. I know it's what you love to do, but was there a moment? And, and if you, you know, speak as honestly as you desire to, but yeah. was there a moment when it was like, God, I don't know how, how we're going to get through this. I don't know how we're going to make it. Maybe I should pursue another engagement. Maybe there was there ever a, a desire to do something other than simply because of the circumstances. Yeah. I think if that was there, Aubin, I would already be doing something else. Hmm. I, I honestly believe that there, there were moments of doubt and not knowing how this is going to work out. But I believe that was superficial doubt. Hmm. Because the deeper layer of me always felt God is going to make a way. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. I don't know how bad it's going to get. Even now, I still don't. But, you know, the old folks have a saying, like, deep in your knower, like your crawl, I think they call it. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, yeah. I think even your dad uses that word he a lot. He does. <laughs> like, there's a feeling that I felt. Like we're, we're, we're going to be okay. And, and the reason why I haven't adjusted is because I haven't, or excuse me, I haven't just abandoned ship more so. The reason why I haven't is because I felt like we, we, I've been in a pretty low place before. Mm -hmm. And, and my low right now doesn't look like my low of yesteryear. Sure. <laughs> like when my family of four was living out of the single back bedroom of, of my grandmother's house and my grandmother had 10 kids. Like, so I, I feel like I've been sort of like weathered and, and calloused even to a certain degree from uh, 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 the type of heart perhaps that it could look like to the point to where I feel like I should be just absolutely jumping off ship 
etc. And here's also another big reason why, uh, and I think I text you this prior to our time, is because it's, it's, it's about purpose for me. Like I'm driven by, am I doing what I feel God is leading me to do? Mm-hmm. And as long as I feel that, then if we're down to one client, God forbid, <laughs> God forbid we're down to one client. We need clients, obviously. But if we're down to one client or, or, or if, if we're going back to the park, God knows I don't want to go back to the park. I don't <laughs> want to go forward. <laughs> right. But if that's the case and God is still saying, this is my purpose for you. This is what's driving you to get up and wake up every morning. It is well with my soul, bro. Oh, yeah. wow. See the Wow. That was pretty cool. What just happened then? <laughs> You're welcome. I just. I remember that you texted to me, so I figured I would pull it up so people could see the conversation that we had. So yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there was something else I was gonna say. Oh, have have there ever been more ventures for you in terms of expansion of business? Mm-hmm. Um, are there other professional responsibilities that you have outside of Trot Fitness that you've? Uh, gone into that you i don't know what the right word i'm looking yeah. for is but what other types of things do you do or is trap fitness the only thing that you do in your in your life in your day sure absolutely right now i just want to pause and say oh and i see you're in your bag right now like the way you carrying it with the questions and how you keeping things flowing like i just need to pause and say i, I see listen, you right I, now i appreciate it i'm just trying <laughs> i'm just trying to make it do what it do baby <laughs> <laughs> i see you doing your thing right now uh, for me, right now, outside of Trot Fitness, it kind of coincides and go along with already what my gift is, mm-hmm. because as a motivator, as a person who inspires and creates effective change through leadership, I've written a book called Born Gifted, How to Unwrap the Gifts Inside You for Supernatural Success. Mm-hmm. And that's led me to partner with an amazing company called Campus Speak, which is one of the nation's leading organizations for helping college speakers book keynotes on college campuses. And so I do travel the country as well. Uh, Right now, of course, it's more so virtual gigs. Mm -hmm. And I speak to college campuses and college students, helping them unwrap the gifts inside them for supernatural success. So, yeah, yeah. That's the shot right there, bro. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's me you know yeah is it like how can you not feel inspired to do something you might not know what you're about to do but i'm telling you you can do it so can, can you can you talk to us about also that venture for you because um you know my dad who's also an author talks a lot about you know comparing himself to yeah. you know, a Maya Angelou and how, you know, he has those doubts of whether he's ever going to write something that is as profound or as deep or as meaningful as a, you know, W.E. Dubois or any of these yeah. writers who have changed the face of writing for forever. And so what was that like for you in terms of um, going from not just not now you're not just, you know, Nissan owner of Trot Fitness, you're not just a fitness preacher with Campus Speak, but you're also 
you know, helping people recognize who they are and more so than just, you know, their physical bodies, but also their spiritual, their mental and emotional bodies in being born gifted, mm-hmm. you know, becoming an author. What was that transition like for you? Was that something that you found was challenging um, to be able to pen the words that you wanted to say, you know, to be able to inspire through not just your personality, but making that personality come alive through the text? How was sure. how was that transition for you? Yeah, Aubin, I don't know if you know this story and you recently just said you find out new things about people that you've been around mm-hmm. and known for quite some time. Uh, so I'm going to share a story with you. And what's really cool about this is, number one, your dad isn't just an author. <laughs> He's like a 20-time author, something like that. I know, but you know, and I've read several, a number of his books and he is hands down my favorite author, especially given his last piece, Send You the First, uh, which in my home, that's one of the featured books on my bookshelf in my little backdrop whenever I go live on Zoom. Uh, and so that process to becoming an author, actually, your dad coached me on that. Um, NaNoWriMo, I believe, is the name of the competition that he was a part of. And although I did not make the cut (laughs) uh, as we were participating in that, uh, he shared the secret ingredients, if you will, as to how to write a book. And I took that and I ran with it. I he actually made it very simple and plain for me. Uh, And that process. Wow. uh, And that process was one to which has just elevated me from the standpoint of believing in myself that I can do hard things because I always thought writing a book was super, super hard. It took a lot of dedication and it did, don't get me wrong, but through executing the game plan of your dad, my favorite author, Dr. Brian C. Johnson, uh, I was able to write a book. The process for me, especially given my schedule, is I had to wake up around 4, 4.30 a.m. in the morning uh, and concentrate for a 90-day period of time. It was a little bit longer than that and get to about 2,000 words per day, somewhere up in there. And uh, I fell short a number of days. I know I did, but through that discipline of just writing and making sure you own the content, the subject matter that you were writing about, I didn't even have an outline for Born Gifted. I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote and, 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 and he helped me feel okay with that process. And through that now I'm a published author. That's dope. And uh, the, the, is it only available on Amazon? Me? Where can you find the book? Um, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes and Noble. Uh, you can also, I narrate the book for you through Audible as well. Uh, for those who don't like flipping through books and getting the hard copy, uh, it's also available on my website, when you go to www.nissantrotter.com. That's Nissan with one S. Uh, So you can uh, find other content as well as some of my motivational videos on my website as well. But that's where you can find the book too. All right, though. Chaney, you got a question? Yeah. (laughs) He does? What? Is this his first question ever? Because if so, I got to be the dopest one that you've had on yet. He usually he gets about one or maybe sometimes if he's feeling spicy two two questions an episode. When it's just me and him, it's much it's 
but on the conversation <laughs> like this, he likes to just sit back and listen. Okay. He usually comes up with one. <laughs> I usually don't have any questions. I don't got to – I just listen. Yeah, I just like, okay, I'm interested. And then all we want to ask a question. I was like, oh, that's a good question. I was <laughs> proud of it. But he got it. He does ask good questions. So um, he, the challenge is on now. What would you say to the people who want to get into fitness and but lack the motivation? Yeah, that I get that question a lot, actually. And here, motivation in some regard is fool's gold because people think they need to be motivated when actually they need to have habit and thrive off a routine. Motivation helps, don't get me wrong. It starts a process. And I think it was Zig Ziglar who said, motivation is like taking a bath. It's recommended daily. Like you need, you need motivation. But at the same time, however, at this point in the game for me, Cheney, it's, it, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not thriving off motivation. It's just the routine and the habit. And now this is the rhythm of my life. I have a morning routine that I prescribe to. And it, it pretty much on the regular consists of working out for as long as I can remember now. And so for somebody who's saying, I'm just not motivated, I say to them, great, we don't have an issue. But we need to at least start and try to keep the routine for about what they say, maybe even 21, 66 days. I don't know what that time frame is, but if we can get into the habit to where you're starting to see benefits of it, you'll probably actually enjoy what you reap from it more than the process itself. That makes sense. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, man, because I've, I've, we've dealt with a number of clients who, who have been uh, through that same sad song of Nissan. I'm just not motivated. So then what I try to do is ask them, here's a couple of things I do. Cheney, that's a great question. See, you 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 pulling stuff out me, man. So that was a good question. Uh, number one, I'll either say, let's live the nightmare. Let's live out what would it actually feel like if you became that nightmare, that person that you don't want to become, whether it's you know, you're on medications because of diabetes, like like let's uh, like your spouse perhaps leaving you because they're no longer attracted to you. Like, like I, I'm sorry that that might sound dark, but sometimes living the nightmare and thinking about what it would feel like is enough to at least get you going into the habit. And the other other um, side of the coin is what would it feel like if you were more productive, if you had the energy that you uh, once lost. If once you look in the mirror, you're in, in appreciating what you see. You're embracing the person that you see in the mirror because you have that confidence again or whatever. Or, or you, you never know what you would feel like if you started to eat a little bit better. If you're thriving right now and you're eating honey buns every day, lickies and chewies every day, sticker bars every day, like Oreo cookies every day and like in like, like overboard, overkill, then what would it mean if we just kind of change that around for you? Because you're killing it now. Imagine, you know, and so it's painting pictures too to get clients to see that that might be enough to get you started. 
that might be enough to get me started. So I need to <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, listen, and, and I offer this to both of y'all as the, the as the host of this amazing podcast. 21 days free on me, Trot Fitness, virtual or in person. I'm a little far from that, but, but <laughs> virtual. No, yeah, it's all right, too. Might not you be to- from New York, Cheney, but you could definitely, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, we have a client in New York right now as I speak. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it can be online. We got you, bro. But I, I just, I just offer that to you. No pressure, no pressure. But you don't need to be motivated to do it. Hey, hey, Cheney, that's about to be a new, a whole new show. A twenty-one day Afro Latinos <laughs> Chop Fitness collab for this. <laughs> let's go. I got ideas. We can get the befores up. We'll get the afters up. We can chronicle your experience. Oh man, this could be a thing. That's a that's a whole that's a whole new that's a whole new twenty one day show, Cheney. There you go. <laughs> man, hey, hey, we gotta do what we gotta do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, anything else, Cheney? It, nope. And I and I and I think that my well has run dry. Absolutely. Uh, of, of questions just for the time being it we just took it to a place that i would see now change you taking it somewhere where i i'm not prepared to go so now you call me off guard um, uh, so, so nissan i think and we're about 50 minutes in now um so i'm conscious of everyone's time sure. do you have anything any final thoughts that you wanted to share about uh, any motivational thoughts any type of um experiential thoughts that you wanted to share Mm-hmm. Um, any any final parting parting gifts for us on this conversation? Yeah, I don't mean to sound churchy, but I appreciate you opening up the floor. I just want to call this like the get back season mm-hmm. of folks' life. We've been through a lot in 2020, but we don't have to let that spill over into 2021. We can take what we've learned from 2020 and move forward. Like there's some things that has been shed, some dead weight that has been shed off of our life from 2020. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people see the unnecessary things that they were doing, how they were wasting time, how they weren't valuing family in the ways that they should. So now given what we've learned in 2020, how are we gonna let that impact our 2021 to live our best life? And And I feel through judicious effort in doing so, oh, 2021 can be created in a way to which we're thankful because of what happened in 2020 because in 2021, I believe we're going to reap a lot of fruit, like a lot of good things in terms of having just more joy, more peace in our life and get rid of the, get rid, getting rid of things that is bogging us down, weighing us down. I, I feel wholeheartedly that that, yes, it was hard to say we got to close our doors to our second location. But you know what? In this phase of my life. I'm not running around as much. I'm, I'm, I'm spending more time with my family, I feel. I have more sanity. You know what I mean? And so I just want that for everybody in this year to take an introspective look of perhaps what they lost and think about how it ended up for their good. Good. It's a good word. Yeah, man. Uh, Cheney, anything else? No, no. I knew it. I knew it. I'm not even looking at the screen right now, and I knew that's what he was going to say. <laughs> I was going to finish the 
finish and finish for him. This has been this has been dope. This has been fun, man. Y'all y'all are a dynamic duo. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Um, and you're just gonna have to get. I'm just opening up uh, the next part of the show. So mm. if you just give me one second. I got some things to pull up here on my screen. Is this uh, the part I was most nervous about? This is the part you're most uh, nervous about, my here friend. We go. Here Chaney, we go. Chaney, while I get this up and ready, would you mind doing a quick little intro for the segment? And if you say no, so help me God, I'm jumping through the screen and bust you upside your head. I mean, I was, but now that you have that, <laughs> I'll do it even less. Now I want to. <laughs> Please, Gene. I'm trying to figure out where this stuff is at. Um, okay. All right. This is uh this is something that we call I made this up by the way. I had we have not made that clear that I have made this segment up. I, you did you did create this segment, however, I named it. So let's just put that. No, out. don't do that. I named that. You think you know? Cap. There's no way. I I named that. You, right, think you, know. you know what? You know Go what? You, you know Go what? You got it. You got it. I'm not even going to try and act no, like. No, 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 sure no, no, no. Go back in your text and check it. I'm like, should I hop off right now? And let y'all duke it out. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Go ahead, Cheney. This is what we call. You think you know? Okay. Today's edition is You Think You Know Sports. Um, if you're new to the show, anybody watching, especially you, um, take you take a minute to explain how the game works. Oh, my God. In a moment, I'm going to be reading 15 questions. 15. And you are going to have to come up with the answers. Mm-hmm. When you think you know, we will only take the first answer that is given, and we are trying to see how much – you think you know <laughs> how much you think you know about sports. We only take your first answer. It'll be 30 seconds on the clock. You know, you still have time to answer if you get it wrong. But, you know, first answer will go. All right. Sports. I this feel like is, that's in my wheelhouse. This is going to um, be all sports related. So it could be any sport. You know, any and everything. All right. And like Cheney said, you know, there are 15 questions. You have 30 seconds to answer each question. Uh, The screen is going to have your timer on it so you know how much time there is. And your score is also going to be portrayed on the screen, which is right here. Right. Right there over my over my shoulder. So out of 15, we're just going to. I know that's I'm trying to figure out. Cheney. Um, so Cheney, do you want to ask all the questions and I'll just do the timer? You know what? Maybe I will. Okay. There are some multiple choice questions, Nathan, and some that are not multiple choice where you just have to come up with the answer. Yeah, so yeah. as we go through the questions, Cheney will tell you before he asks the question, whether it's multiple choice or not. Okay. Uh, right. audience, we did this last week and it was kind of fun audience. If you want to jump in and help nissan or attempt to help nissan figure out an answer uh feel free to drop a comment on the stream here and we will pull it up just in case he wants to phone a friend all right so uh without further ado this is you think you know cheney go ahead with question number one question number one okay 
this is a multiple choice. Who was the youngest overall number one pick in NBA history? Was it Dwight Howard, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, or Zion Williamson? Zion Williamson. Hey, he came final with- answer. You got time. Final answer. Final answer. That with wow. the quickness. With the quickness. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say that it, it is incorrect. Incorrect. The LeBron James. It was LeBron James. Ah. If that was your gut and you didn't go with it, you pulled an Auburn. No, I didn't. I, that wasn't my gut. I'm okay. good. You did not pull an Auburn. Question number two. It's not a choice. Okay. The ice hockey team known as the Bruins play in which city? Oh. The ice hockey team known as the Bruins. Milwaukee. Milwaukee? I'm going to say Milwaukee. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Can we go? Give the time. Yeah. Milwaukee. I'm going to say Milwaukee. Is that your final answer? Final answer. That is incorrect. Ah, incorrect. Oh, Nissan. Jennifer is coming at you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> She's a coach at Trump. <laughs> go on, Jen. Don't be interrupting this segment. <laughs> Go look at the other stuff. I looked a lot better earlier. It's okay. I guarantee you your score is going to be better than Cheney's score on the food episode. So wow. there's an episode we won't even talk about. It. I'm not a hockey fan, so I'm not I'm not hurt at all. I mean, in my defense, I never claimed that I knew a lot about Super Bowl. So, like, I'm okay, you know? That, I'm not even talking about that episode. I'm talking about your fast food episode because we know that was the lowest hey, score. Listen, I really thought McDonald's was everything. Every answer you thought it was. I the thought answer, and it, that and it, it was, was you know, the, mo- the, the most, uh, you know, important thing is on McDonald's. No, it's, it's not. Anyways, number three. This one is a multiple choice. You have 30 seconds to think about a multiple choice. You don't have to answer within the five seconds. Okay. Okay. Which school has produced the most number one overall picks since 2000? The Duke, Florida, Kansas, or Kentucky? Mm. I think I might have known this answer before you finish the question. It's not necessarily about going with gut, but I think I know this one. I'm, I believe. Oh. Let's say Kentucky. Final answer. Final answer. Okay. Let's go. I just want to be great, bro. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Gene. Say something now, Jim. I'm not looking too bad. I should be two out of three. You should, you know. You should one for three. It's not too bad, You're but not. it's, it's not. That's enough. Thank you. I'm, I'm good. I'm out. All right, number four. Okay. This is not multiple choice. 
What baseball term is used to describe holding the bat still and allowing the ball to hit it so it rolls gently into the field? Mm. But, but, final answer. Final answer. That is correct. Mm-hmm. That is correct. Uh, I mean, I, sorry, I switched screens. Jennifer, Jennifer has a response to you. She she did not know that one. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, show me love now. I think, I, think was, I think there was the Kentucky question, not the bunt question. Oh, I okay, okay. I wonder if she knew that one. Maybe, maybe we should. You could be my lifeline. <laughs> there you go. Jennifer's your lifeline. Everybody needs one. All right. Uh, number five. Yes. Two for four. Four. Two for two for four. Yeah. Which basketball team? I'm all over the place. This is a multiple choice question. Okay. There you go. Which basketball team was the most recent with back to back number one overall picks? That's what it was. Okay. 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 Which basketball team was the most recent with back to back number one overall picks? Was it Cavaliers? Was it the Pelicans? 76ers or the Suns? Mm. Give me the choices again. Cavaliers, Pelicans, 76ers, or Suns? I want to go 76ers. Final answer. Final answer. I don't like that one, though. I'm not... Well, you might not like it, but it is correct. It is correct. Oh. <laughs> is this is where hey, I hey, There you go. There you go, Nee. Get her, baby. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's, uh... I tried to use deductive reasoning with that one. Yeah, you got it. Three what, for three, five. Three for five? Three for five. Starting looking better now. Looking better already. You're at a 60%. You know, you're doing your thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, number six. Where did the New York Giants baseball team relocate to? Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. After the 1957 season. New York Giants relocated somewhere else. The baseball team, not baseball. football. The baseball team. Oh, wow. 1957. What are the New York Giants now? And so in 1957, they relocated from this place to become the New York Giants? From New York Giants to become something else. Oh, and what city? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Dallas? You, I don't, all know, all I don't gotta, know. All you got to know, Nissan, is who right now, think baseball. Okay. Jennifer, if you're still watching, help them out. Think baseball. <laughs> Okay. What team is the Giants right now? I'll give you a couple more seconds on the clock. Okay. What team is the Giants right now? They're the New York Giants. They were. You said the New York Giants. Oh, wait. San Francisco. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's I'm, your I, answer? Yes, San Francisco is my answer. That's your answer. Wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just confused on the question. Can, can okay. you just, I'm, just, I'm not able to read the question. So. In, in 1957, the New York Giants moved to this city. What did they change their name to once they moved? 
Baseball. Baseball. Oh. So what <clears throat> team right now is the Giants in baseball? Yes. That's San Francisco Giants. Final answer. Correct answer. I just didn't understand the question. I'm sorry. That's all right. <laughs> that is okay. That is okay. Yeah. The only reason I'm like yelling at Albin for giving you that is because you didn't know the, the question. You, you I didn't purely understand. did not understand the question. I was just trying to translate, Gene. You know, sometimes yep, you, yep. Off the you know what I'm saying? All right. Yeah, I would have got that one wrong. Hmm. Who was that? Was that someone just knocking your room, Cheney? Nope. Oh, that was me. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I was not right. no, you're, you're, good. <laughs> you're good. I was just like, what? What's happening? <laughs> number seven. Who was the first person from Kentucky to be picked number one overall? It is a, a multiple choice. Okay. Uh, Anthony Davis. Some guy named Dan. Isel, I don't know. I sell. Isel, I don't know how. You Isel, I sell. Okay. No, I don't sell. Alvin does. But um, okay, Jamie. Jamal Mashburn or John mm. Wall? Just mm. you know what? Three choices. I'm not worrying about that. Okay. Anthony Davis, Jamal Mashburn, or John Wall? Mm. Can I ask a question? Sure. <laughs> Were all of them number one picks? I think so. Oh, okay. I think it's uh all right, so then if they are all number one, it's which one either... was first to be number one? It's from... gonna be Jamal Mashburn or Dan from, from Kentucky. I'm gonna go with the Dan Kentucky. dude. I'm gonna go with the Dan dude. <laughs> You're gonna go with the Dan dude? Well yeah. all, of them, all of them went I will say this. All of them uh, went well, to Kentucky. Not all, of them, not all of them were number one picks. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, then scratch that. Scratch that answer. One of them was the first to go number one. Which one, one was it? I'm going to go Anthony Davis. that the final answer? Final answer. That's incorrect. John Wall. Dang. John Wall. Jamal Mashburn went number four over uh, and not nobody. Who is that? And then Itzel, uh, he got drafted in the eighth round. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I don't doubt he, it. He I don't know who that is. Jamal Mashburn, Jenny, you don't know who that is? I think he was a uh, he was pretty decent, right? In the yeah. NBA, yeah. He was, he was no, obviously not. If I don't know him, <laughs> or you just don't know. Not decent by your standards. He, oh, you just don't know. He's a. Uh, I know everybody. He's a career 19, 19 point shooter. You know what I'm saying? Nineteen points. He shot about forty one percent from the field, thirty five almost from threes. I mean, he was decent at best. He was okay at best. Got it. Yeah. Number eight. Man, number eight. Multiple choice. Okay. Which player was drafted lowest in the nineteen ninety six NBA draft? Is it Ray Allen, Kobe Bryant, Allen Iverson, or Steve Nash? Hmm. I'm going to go with Steve Nash on that one. Final answer. 
Claro debe ser. Oh! Correct. Pretty crazy. And he turned out a... Uh, Two-time MVP, I think. Hall of Famer. Yeah. He's a, one of the About best. Ah, uh, you think so, Nissan? Possibly. You think you're gonna beat the Lakers? Come on now, tell the truth, shame the devil, bro. Come on now. I know you are. That's what I'm saying. I just don't know. No. They just smoked the Lakers, so I. Anthony Davis wasn't playing though. Neither was Kevin Durant. was Kevin Durant. They didn't really smoke him. Telling the truth. Okay, okay, I hear you. But Kyrie and James Harden is still better than LeBron and whoever else is on that team right now. I don't care about any of those teams, so I, I that's because your Celtics are garbage. But that's besides the point. Move on to question number whatever uh, next. Oh, I'm, I'm gonna say I'm gonna refrain from <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Number nine. Number nine. What color is the center line that divides an ice hockey rink in two halves? Just what? what? Just what oh color? Gosh. I do not know anything about hockey. Just just picture an ice rink and just take a guess on what color the middle line is. Red? Is that final answer? Final answer. That was a fantastic guess. The numbers disappeared, but they're back. It is red. You're right. Wow. I can just double click. It's red, and then there's two blue lines on either side, right, Cheney? There's red in the middle, and then two. Okay. They're like the offside, like yeah. That's yeah. cool. Good guess. You're you're sixty six percent, six for nine right now, Ch- uh, Nissan. So I'm with it. oh my god, Cheney, okay. we know you're barely scored a, a six ever. So. <laughs> I'm just playing, Cheney. I'm just playing. Chill, 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 chill. You don't make me hurt your feelings, and I don't want to do it a lot. Listen, I'm okay. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, number 10. Number 10. In what sport are there U.S. franchise teams called Fire, Rapids, and Galaxy? It's a U.S. – I mean, it's not a U.S. sport, but it's a sport in the – it's. I'll read the question again. <laughs> I only got twenty seconds. Well, well, you you have time. Don't worry. And what sport are these? And what sport are there? U.S. franchise teams called Fire Rapids and Galaxy. I want to say the WNBA. That's a good guess. That's not a bad guess. Okay. And I think the Galaxy might even be a team, right? Are they a team in, in basketball, in, in WNBA? I kind of think they are. Yeah, I thought they were the like, New York Galaxy. Were, I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know. I don't uh, know anything it, about WNBA. It is incorrect. Okay. It is soccer. You know, like, soccer. Like oh, yeah. LA Galaxy. Was it Chicago Fire? Or is that yeah. that's the name of a TV show? So I don't know if that's I anyway. mean, you might be right. I mean, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Chicago Fire. Mm. So close, but no cigars. So Colorado Rapids. Chicago Fire. The Chicago Fire and the LA Galaxy. You needed a 
you needed uh, Jarob uh, Nissan to be up in here. He I could, thought of him as soon as I got it wrong. Your phone a friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me see. Uh, I don't see any Galaxy teams on the WNBA. So, I mean, there's Chicago Sky. That's close enough. Mm. Anyways, number 11. <clears throat> what type of bird signifies a score of two under par? This is golf, by the way. On any single hole. This is golf. I would hope so. <laughs> Do I look like a golfer? Nissan, I, I, I feel like I've been on the golf course with you a couple times. Eagle. That's your final guess? Or, or final, final, final guess. Or, or eagle. That's correct. It is an eagle. Correct. Okay. All right. I didn't know that they had different type of birds. I only knew about the eagle. I've heard of eagle. Birdie. A birdie is one under par. That's what I was thinking, birdie. Yeah. And an eagle is two under par. Three under par, which is extremely rare, is called an albatross. Ah, okay. Uh, and I've never seen that in my life, so. Wow, these are tough questions, man. It, it's hard. It's really. I mean, you have to think. An albatross. You're 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 either getting a hole in one on a par four, or, ah, you're, okay. or you're getting it in the hole in two shots on a par five, and <laughs> that is insane. It's <laughs> happened, but that is insane. Okay, so albatross is very very rare. Very very rare. Very. I don't even know what albatross looks like. What it is? Aw, Cheney. Yo, who's that? <laughs> Yo, don't do, don't do that to your mom. That's so <laughs> that is so cold. Like, oh, I got fans. Oh, nice. That's, that's nice. Um, number 12. Seven for 12. Seven for 11, you said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not terrible, but all right. This is a, a multiple choice. Who is the only number one overall pick between 2001 and 2006 to play college basketball? Was was it LaMarcus Aldridge, Andrew Bogut, Dwight Howard, or LeBron James? Hmm. The only one to have played college basketball... Cheney. I'm going to say LaMarcus Aldridge. <clears throat> Is that your final, final answer? Final answer. Uh, it is incorrect. Andrew Bogut. What? That is correct. It is, yeah. Where did he go to college? I thought he was like an overseas guy. I, I, he's from Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, isn't isn't uh, is that college? I don't think that's in college. What? Oh, never mind, never mind. Because what's his name? Ben Simmons went went to Australia, right? Or he lived in Australia? From Australia, yeah. But yeah, LSU. Went to LSU. after Go Tigers, right, Nissan? Don't try to set me up for the okey doke. Uh, Andrew Bogut went to Utah. Ah, yeah. Did not know. I did not know he was the number one overall pick. What? Imagine going number one. 
The, imagine, Milwaukee, imagine, the Milwaukee Bucks in 2005 the number, him the number one pick. Wow, he does not have a number one pick game. <laughs> imagine taking Andrew Boogie number one. It could not be me. Yeah. To be it's fair, it. that oh, oh my gosh, they could have had Chris Paul. Mm. Chris Paul mm. was number four. Danny. Yeah, Green. it also depends on who comes out of the draft class. You said Danny so. Green. No, no, no. Uh, so this was the top five: Andrew Bogut, Marvin Williams, uh, Deron Williams, or uh, Darren. I don't know how you pronounce his name. Yes, he was a bucket for a little bit. Chris Paul, Raymond Felton. That's number five. Then you've got people nice like too. Charlie Villanueva, Channing Fry. Andrew mm-hmm. Bynum was drafted that year. He was nice, and he was he was nice. Danny <laughs> Granger. Danny Granger, Danny Granger was nice. Yeah, Gerald Green, he Nate was Robinson. He was like stop. But you know what? I believe you know, Andrew Bogan has had the more illustrious, oh, had career. The more illustrious career, other than Chris Paul. Yeah, other than anyone on that Paul. list, absolutely. Uh, our boy Nate Robinson, who let us all down in that fight. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not, now I know you're a huge boxing fan. I am. Did you watch that fight? I did. I, I almost cried. I <laughs> that, that was. Simultaneously, the fun, the Cheney and I have talked about it a couple of times, and we were watching the fight together. But that was we simultaneously the fight, literally after the, the fight, and saddest thing right. I've ever seen. But I don't want to jump on the Nate Wagon meme wagon, wagon, and all of that. I, I just I don't want to do it. I don't want to. But my man just got himself. But, <laughs> next week, bro. Like, yeah. but Shannon Sharp said, Nate Robinson said he was doing it for the culture. And he just wants to know where does the culture go from here. He said, he said what, <laughs> "What culture is what I want to know." <laughs> oh man, I, that's all I got to say. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna be the funniest the things I heard after the fight. Somebody on Twitter, they were like, "Hey, I'm a little tired. I'm about to go Nate Nate instead of Night Night." Hey, <laughs> yo, that is so stupid. I'm about to go Nate Nate. <laughs> Bobby, you are so raw right now. I, it wasn't me. I didn't say it. I'm just, you know, relaying. But you were keeping the narrative going. Right? Look, my man got slept twice. Bro. Yeah, I actually, I actually know who said count. that. Country Wayne said that. He got knocked down to the eight count, stood back up, still tried to come out swinging, and got destroyed. He He didn't move for a long time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Off of Nate Robinson. We'll we'll move on to question number 13. Number 13. 13. I got to get at least one more. Who is the NFL's all-time leading rusher? It is multiple choice. Okay. Was it Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, or Frank Gore? I know Frank Gore is coming, but I think they would have made a bigger deal about it if he had crossed the great Emmett Smith from Pensacola, Florida, Escambia County, not far from my home. Worked in Pensacola, Florida. I'm pretty confident in this one. Emmett Smith. Is that a final answer? Final answer. There he is. That was my goal to get the eight. Okay, everything's cherry on top. <laughs> well, uh, I, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders, Walter, uh, Walter Payton, and Frank Gore are all top five. Okay, wow. Walter Gore. Walter's actually second. And Frank Gore's still playing, I believe. Yeah, not very <laughs> think, much, but he's still playing. I, 
Yeah, I think he's he's he has so many rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Franco was on time in the. I mean, I mean he was. But they say that his work ethic still just to be in the league. I mean, he's ridiculous. he's 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 old in terms of being a running back. Oh, he's still, yeah. He's still. Let's see what is he. 19, born in 1983, which puts him at 37, and which is what they say a running back is over usually their career by what 30? 30, they're counting them out because like Tom Brady's like 42 or whatever, but he's just throwing, he like he ain't got to run for nothing, and he's a running back, he got to take hits and he got to run. I think he, he got like so many rushing yards just because he's played for so long. Played since 2005. He's still, I mean, he was at one point, he was pretty dirty, so. Yeah. Adrian Peterson's up there, too. I, I don't know what number he is, but I don't remember. All right, number 14. It is. And this is multiple choice. Let's do it. Which team has never selected number one overall? Was it the Bulls, the Nuggets, Minnesota Timberwolves, or the Toronto Raptors? Such a hard question. Hmm. Just think of if any of these teams have ever been that bad. Yeah. Which one's the most possible? I'm going to say Toronto Raptors. I don't remember them. To be fair, they've all been pretty bad at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the lifespan of a team, that's just the cycle of a team. Is that your final answer? Toronto Raptors. Okay. The Toronto Raptors have never been that bad. So Ah. it is incorrect. (laughs) He said, yeah. Uh, So is it Nuggets? It is the Nuggets. Mm. The Toronto Raptors I, that I know of, with my time alive, have never been that. 2000, 2006. Well, what they, were drafted, they drafted Andre Bargnani. At what? Number one overall. What? Oh. See, that's why I'm like, because I was just thinking, who has that been that transcendent player for the Raptors that has been there for a long time? I can't think of any player that's been there other than Kyle been Lowry. DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan. That's true. Well, that's I guess true. the Raptors has, have been that bad. The I did not know that the Nuggets were never below the 11, whatever, Brooklyn Nets and the Knicks. And I've never known. I didn't know that they were that bad, that they were at one point bad that they had to pick a number one. Mm. Ooh, the Nuggets? Yeah. Let's see. I mean, it makes sense because I think, like, you know, Melo left and the team wasn't – they didn't really have anybody, to be honest. The highest pick you – know, this is just – I'm just looking. They've picked seven third when they drafted Melo in 2003. Yeah, I was thinking Melo. But but I didn't think Melo yeah, was, was number one because that was LeBron. number one. Yeah. Oh, I swear, oh, that, I what pick was D Wade that year? He was like fourth or fifth, right? I don't know. I think you're right. The highest it looks like in the Nuggets history, the highest they've ever picked is third. 
So they they've had so actually here goes one in 1979, which was their third season in existence. They they drafted. Um, oh, never mind. I'm sorry. That was uh, I still looked at the wrong number. So third is the highest they've ever picked. Mm. So I, I yeah. What I said was wrong, but I meant yeah. <laughs> Question number four. 15. 15. 15. 15. Last one. All right. Let's bring it home. All right. Which team? This is multiple choice also. Mm-hmm. What's that question? Oh, yeah, okay. Which team has not won an NBA championship? Portland Blazers, mm-hmm. Milwaukee Bucks, or the Orlando Magic? Orlando Magic, final answer. I'm going to let the song play. Let the song play, bro. <laughs> it was just three of them? <laughs> yeah, he only put – I don't know why he only picked three of them, but – There were only three of them. Hmm? There were only three of them in the question that I, that I looked right. up. Oh, okay. Which team has, who has not won an NBA championship? Orlando Magic. Who has not, right? Yeah, who has not. I got to not. I'm that confident. You are. They're expansion team. They're very, very new still. Well, I don't know about still. All right, so nine out of fifteen. What percentage is that? Well, that's a three. That's a three out of five, which is a sixty percent. Okay. That's a. We, I'll tell you that is just under the average score of you think you know. Our average score <sighs> is probably about a ten. So that that's you, you were right there. We we usually just barely pass. So. Yeah. <laughs> Dag um, so um lower than the average. <laughs> it, you know, it happens, man. It, it happens. happens. Well, Nissan, we appreciate you joining the show today. Thank you so much, even through your trepidation of joining the trivia show, uh, the trivia game. We appreciate you being here. Uh, I, I have one final question that came up in my head, and I, I didn't ever know if it was a good time to ask it. So I'm going to ask you right now while the show is kind of coming to an end. So growing up in Silver Spring, Silver Springs is that, is that Silver cool? Hill, Silver Hill, Alabama. Yes, you were a two sport athlete Correct. football, basketball. You had hoop dreams, you went to Bucknell College. Yeah. Now, right. I know in Mobile, Alabama, we've seen some big names in football and basketball. Demarcus Cousins is from Mobile, uh, mm-hmm. Nick Fairley, who went to uh, Auburn, is from Mobile, Alabama. This is a random trivia question for you Did you ever play? any of those stars in any sport well let's see i played against jamarcus russell if you remember him he went to LSU. he was number one overall quarterback yeah he went uh, to the raiders he was the biggest bust in nfl history yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, i mean our area is rich i mean i could go on and on if you want to talk about that type of premier talent that we see play on the biggest stage is uh, yeah. I want to know who who you played against in your your collegiate and high school career. Oh well, I mean, it's not necessarily just who I played against, but who who I've been around that yeah. either was just before me or just after me. Uh, my my sister uh, was during the Demarcus Cousins um, okay uh, era. And uh, he's I'm from Mobile, Alabama. An asshole, so I'm not really. Yeah. I heard he's an asshole in real life. Like I genuinely heard that he. Yeah, he, he, he seemed to have an attitude. Yeah, <laughs> he did. 
<laughs> I mean, we, but, but around that time, to be honest, to a certain degree, like we were all kind of, we're used to, our area is rich with athletes. So we try to act like we don't really pay attention to mm. each other like that. Like Julio Jones, uh, I mean, I was, you know, he played for our rival high school. We was in the same basketball gym. We just knew he was different, but it wasn't like we were like oh, kind of Jones. all on him like that. Uh, Pat White, um, I played against his brother, Bo White. We go, we get our haircut at the same place. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, who else? Man, I mean, Mark Ingram from around the way. Uh, oh gosh, I forget the dude. Um, uh, who who played for Alabama uh, just before Martin Trent Richardson? Yeah, we don't uh, like to talk about the University of Alabama on this podcast. I'm yeah. sorry, it's, uh, it's not. There's <laughs> uh, a lot of them, man. Trent Richardson. If you y'all remember him, yeah, he played yeah. with the Browns. But you know what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, so we. Alabama, you know what I've realized? And I'm going to come for your team a little bit, Need just because yes. it's quiet. As an LSU fan, I got to right. come for you a little bit. Yeah. You know, Alabama, fantastic college program. But they they don't be having much mainstream success once they get to the pros, man. I, I mean, what? I'm some big names that have come out the past couple of years to the draft. You got to think about Jacobs, who plays for Oakland at running back. I'm saying they have a, you know, there's a couple who have succeeded, but you know, yeah. I'm saying like Trent Richardson, he didn't really do. Mark Ingram was okay with the Saints. He played a couple good years, and now the the Ravens just let him go after a couple seasons. So yeah, he's had a successful career. He wasn't a bum. But uh, I'm thinking like AJ McCarron, who was big at Alabama, he was yeah. killed in the court and just disappeared. Once well, you got to think about three. also, too, is Nick Saban in the system That's and the machine true. that is Alabama that, is that makes true. it what it is. I mean, he has he has really just done a phenomenal job with recruiting and getting players in the right spot. But you also have to look on the defensive side of the ball uh, for Alabama. I think you're – uh, thinking of mainly offensive players. That's true. But you got remember the uh, free ha-ha safety. Clinton. Ha-ha Clinton Dix. Ha-ha Clinton Dix. Um, I'm just drawing blanks on some of the guys' names, but man, these. You know what? I'm gonna talk about talk too. Oh, uh oh, shoot your oh, shot, bro. Listen, my Oklahoma team. I ain't got jack to say to you. I, <laughs> you know what? You got it. Oh, Alabama, you got it. They they top notch compared to us. And and I'm just talking main. Jalen Hurts was there. <laughs> I mean, Alabama. we got Jalen Hurts. And now he's with your Eagles on it. And Jalen Hurts was looking promising at the spot. Good man. I'm I'm I, I have listen. This is what I need. And Jeff, <laughs> Jeffrey Lowry, Jeffrey Lurie, Howie Rose, uh, Howie. Yeah, Harry Roseman. I know y'all are not watching this show, but I'm gonna say it to y'all anyway in hopes that somehow it gets to y'all. If the Eagles do not draft a wide receiver with the number six pick, I am not watching football this season. Well, let me, if let me we see. don't get the, if we don't get Devontae Smith, even though he went to Alabama, if we don't get Waddle, if we don't get Smith, or if it, my personal preference, of course, because I'm an LSU fan, you know, we missed out on Justin Jefferson last year because Kyle Roseman's an idiot. Um, but if we Wait, don't Chase. get Jamar Chase. But Chase, trust me, you want you want you want Smith. 
you want Smith. But I don't want any of them, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't even think they're they're talking about ju- drafting Justin Fields. Like but I oh, want to ask the podcasters a question, question. and I know that I'm not supposed to do that because that breaks protocol. You got but it. I'm going to ask you: Do you feel that Carson Wentz moving on that's great for y'all program? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I I I love him as a football player. I believe I truly believe in my heart of hearts that the system failed him. He I think him. Doug Peterson failed him. Um because yeah, both of them are gone. I'm glad Doug Peterson is gone. But he here's what, here's my thing. Because for me, I feel like the success of the Eagles in the season, and I was at your house, Nissan, when the Eagles yes. won the chip. We were watching the game together right. at the crib. Y'all were, y'all were going hysterical. I was going crazy. Um, but, but I truly believe that it was not him who led much of the success of the team. I believe that Frank Reich, as the offensive coordinator, had everything to do with Carson Wentz's success that season. Uh, and we're going to see what that looks like because now he's playing for Frank Reich again in Indianapolis with a much better team than Philadelphia. So, But I, I think that, like I said, Howie Roseman's an idiot, and he doesn't know how to draft talent. And so they surrounded him. Here's what I'm saying, Nissan. In the last three, four years, our draft picks, we have missed out in Philadelphia on DK Metcalf and Justin, and Justin Jefferson who just broke the NFL rookie record yeah. for receiving yards. At Minnesota, by the way, who in Minnesota. before him was a great Randy Moss. Yes. And to have to look back and think, okay, like if we would have drafted like – if we would have got a Tyreek Hill instead of them, I would have been okay. But Nissan, the year that we drafted – that we missed out on DK, we drafted – a man by the name of we've talked about this several times on this podcast. All right, Jenny. Uh we've talked about this several times on the podcast. Nice meeting. Um, they drafted instead of DK a man by the name of JJ Ortega Whiteside, who came from Spain. Look, look <laughs> at your face right now. You don't even know who he is. No. Nope. He was trash. In what position did he play? Wide receiver. Wow. We drafted him. But, but in, in fairness, fairness though, instead Metcalf did have the neck issue. Okay, I get it. But Nissan, last season, this man had one offensive touchdown. Do you know how he scored this one offensive touchdown? His first t- – I don't know if he only scored one on the season, but his first touchdown of the season last year, Miles Sanders had a 70-plus yard run, which got knocked out about the five-yard line. <laughs> Fell into the end zone, and this man fell on the ball. Yeah, and that is how he got his first touchdown of the season. And he's been now. And if I'm not mistaken, years, right? he's been there for two, three years. However long DK's been, that was the year that we that they missed out on DK. I can feel and, that. And then last year with with missing out on Justin Jefferson and taking Jalen Rager out of TCU. Now listen, I get it. He's a speedster, right? He's he's got wheels, but he played in about eight games last season. Because he got injured like week three and missed most of the season. So I, you can't predict injuries, but you miss out on that for an unproven TC. I mean, TCU is not the place I'm looking to get a wide receiver. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not, you know, and of course you can have a transcendent talent from anywhere, 
but I'm not seeing it there. I like him, and I think he'll succeed with giving the right, you know, the potential to stay healthy. But bro, I'm I'm hurting these last couple of seasons. Yeah. And if we don't get some, if if the only thing I can say is if we don't get Waddle or Chase or or Smith, um, then they need to go cornerback. We need to go on the defense or linebacker and shore up the defensive side of the ball because. Well, I think that y'all got to shore up y'all line if y'all don't go there because well, Carson Wentz getting smashed. But here's what I'm saying, Nee, and what people, a lot of people don't understand and why I can't blame Carson Wentz totally for that. With a healthy offensive line, the Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in football. Okay, that's fair. So Brandon you're assuming Brooke, Brandon back all pro is an all pro, all star right guard. He's the best right guard in the league. But a lot of people say Brandon Brooks, best right guard in the league. He was injured early. He didn't play a single down this season. Lane Johnson, widely known as the best right tackle in the league, he was out all season. Jason Kelsey, one of the best centers in the league, he was he was there, but he was the only consistent. I saw a stat, I think, week – it was like week 13, I think, we played the Cardinals. They The Eagles this year set the record for the most – uh, the most number of offensive linemen in the game. Like, they didn't have a consistent lineup. There were, like, 13 different starting lineups for the Eagles this season on offensive line. And that's why the offense couldn't get going. You know, that line needs to be solid to be able to protect your quarterback, to be able to run the ball, to be able to do a lot of things. And they didn't have that because three out of their five starting uh Three of their five starters, who are often the best in the at their position in the league, were injured all season. So that's fair. Hmm. Hmm. That's 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 tough. Uh, it, it sounds I'm, like you I'm, need to be in the front office. I'm hoping. I, listen, I'm waiting for somebody to sign me. Somebody <laughs> needs to see this and sign me, man, because they. I mean, I play a mean game of Madden, bro. I'm, I, I <laughs> yeah. <it> <laughs> You've been through a lot of simulations. That's right. That's right. All right, Nee. Well, I'll let you go, my boy. Appreciate oh, you man. so much uh, for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we'll have to have you. Maybe we can have you on the regular show where we can talk oh, about sports stuff and just have a good time. I would love to come back, Arvin. Thank you. Y'all doing an amazing job, and appreciate your time, bro. Appreciate you so much. Thank you, Nissan. You can catch this again on Facebook, everyone, and our YouTube page. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow. Uh, this has been your co-host, Arvin, with our boy, Nissan. Thank you, guys. Have a good day.